The song we just sung, uh, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. It wasn't the original um, name of that song. I really like the original name, but it's long and not real long, but it's hard to understand. The original name, John Newton, when he wrote that song, it was a testimony song about the day when Christ came into his heart and experienced the amazing grace of God. But it also talks about the amazing grace of God that not only was there when he saved him, but sustained him through his life and secured his great salvation and also the very grace of God that he served by grace. You see, John Newton was born on July 24th, 1725, in London, England. His mother was a devout Christian and taught him much about the Bible, prayed in his presence every day, read the Bible to him every day. But she died when John Newton was only seven years old, nearly seven, just before his seventh birthday. And John's father was a sea captain. He was away all the time, and he was not religious at all. And at the age of 11, he started being on the boat with his dad. Can you imagine an 11-year-old boy being raised on slave ships? The, the son of the captain of the ship? You can imagine that he probably had some bad language and everything else. He goes with that, amen? Because that's what he knew. But praise God, the prayers of his mother never left his Head. And one day, John grew up and um, he, he became the captain of his own ship, slave ship. And then after a while, he just didn't like what he was doing. But he was out on the sea one day in a terrible storm. You know, these storms we see in the Bible and we read about here, when sailors say it's a terrible storm, it's a bad storm. Because like in the Bible, when the, the disciples, the, the, the fishermen say it's a bad storm, it was a bad storm. And here's John Newton, been raised on the water all these years, and he said it was a terrifying storm. He thought he was dying. And he had recently been uh, reading a book by Kemp's, uh, The Imitation of Christ. And God had started dealing with his heart in many ways. And on that very night, he called out to God in desperation, asking for forgiveness of his sins, and for God to come into his life and to make him a new creation. And you know, the wonderful thing is, God, when you call to him, he, he's always there, amen. When you call out for salvation, the Bible says that God is there to save and to restore. And he did that to, to John Newton in a miraculous way. Yeah, he stayed on the ship for a few more years, probably, as God was teaching him more about his word. But he came to the conclusion that what he was doing was not really a good thing and that God was convicting him. So he, he, he quit the slave, the slave ship and became the port clerk there at near, at near London. And uh, he, he worked there as he's learning to be more like Christ every day. And John Newton was, was there and, and uh, just living there. And eventually he was called into the ministry to pastor a church the rest of his life. You see, John Newton wrote these wonderful words of amazing grace, but sometimes we sing them and don't really listen to what we're singing. Sometimes we read the Bible that way too, don't we? We read great scriptures of faith that our very faith is founded upon, but sometimes it's merely just something that we put to our mind and uh, forget it very quickly sometimes. 
But I want to talk to you today about this, what's so amazing about grace? You know, we just sang it, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Well, what's so amazing about grace? Well, I'm here to tell you, when we're going to read through Ephesians 2, verses 1 2 through 10, and we're going to at least talk about four reasons why grace is amazing today. There's others, but I want you to, to see these four. So if you would turn in your Bible to Ephesians 2, chapter 1 through 10, I think Jim used it last week to part, for part of his sermon. But it's, one of, it's a wonderful scripture, and I, I love these verses, these 10 verses in Ephesians chapter 2. And they speak directly to our, 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 our lives today, no matter where we're at in our journey um, with Christ. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10, let's read it. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and, by were, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us up with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. What a wonderful scripture, isn't it? Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. So, we go back to this. What's so amazing about grace? What's so amazing about grace? Well, I'm here to tell you something. Grace follows you your entire life. It's not something that you once experienced one time and you never need it or use it again. No, grace is with you every step of the way. We just, read, we just sang a song from life's first cry to final breath. Jesus commands my destiny. That's very true. And also his grace is there to walk with you every step of the way from life's first cry to the final breath. And, and even on into the eternity, praise God, we experienced his grace. We are saved in past tense. If you're here today and if you knew one day you, you realized that you were a sinner and you asked Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior and to, for forgiveness of your sins, I'm here to tell you, you were saved, past tense. But did you realize you're being saved every day? You're secure in your salvation, but God is teaching you how to be sanctified with him every day of your life. You're experiencing the grace of God. And praise God, one day, we will be saved, future tense. We're going to be in heaven and live with him eternally. You see, these verses speak of our past guilt and our present grace and our future glory, all combined in these verses. So what's so amazing about grace today? We just sang a song. We just read the scripture. 
Well, I'm telling you to tell you the first thing that we're saved by grace. That's amazing. That's amazing. We are saved by grace. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, we just read it. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one could boast. Another great scripture is Titus 3, verse 5. It says, He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. What's so amazing about grace, dear friend, is we're saved by grace. The opposite of that, if there was not a grace, we would all be lost. We would all be lost. We must come to the realization that we have a problem as humans. Have you noticed that? It's pretty clear if you turn on your TV. (laughs) It's pretty clear if you just go out into the world. Unfortunately, sometimes we open our eyes with even in the church and we see we have a problem. The problem we have is sin. We have a sin problem. Romans 3, verses 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Notice that we all have a problem. Amen? Amen? For all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3 verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. Paul didn't pull any punches, did he? In any of his letters. He says we have a problem. All have sinned. There's a quote in John MacArthur's Bible. um, A teaching Bible that helps us understand this. He says, throughout history, people have varied greatly in the levels of human goodness and wickedness. But in relationship to receiving God's holiness, they are equal failures. That is why the good, helpful, kind, considerate, self-giving person needs salvation as much as the multiple murderer on death row. The person who is a good parent, loving spouse, honest worker, a civic humanitarian needs Jesus Christ to save him from the eternal condemnation of hell as much as the skid row drunk or the heartless terrorist. They do not lead equally sinful lives, but they are equally in a state of sin, equally separated from God and from spiritual life. You see, grace is amazing because we're saved by grace. We have a problem Did you notice in the scripture we read in verse 1? It's a serious problem. We've come to think about sin, that it's just something that we just, you know, have you understood that most people aren't even shamed anymore by sin? But sin is serious. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates from a holy God. You see, in, in, in this scripture that we see, the serious problem, Ephesians 2, verse 1, he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Did you hear that? That's serious. You were dead 
in your trespasses and sin. We talk about sin sickness, but here Paul says you're dead in your trespasses and sins. I would say that's pretty serious. You were dead, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. Yes, we all have a serious problem, but thankfully, God provided a solution. Amen. This is what grace is so amazing. Yes, we have. You have to realize, if you want to know how amazing grace is, that you're saved by grace, you've got to realize your need for God, and your need for a Savior, and your need for Jesus Christ. But praise God, He's provided us a solution, and our Savior, His Son, Jesus Christ, is the only solution. The Bible teaches that over and over again. Ephesians, we just read it, 2, verses 4 and 5. But God, oh, don't you love that in verse 4? I'll never forget, I, I preached this scripture years ago. I, I, I forgot I'd preached in this scripture. I, I didn't preach this exact message, I don't think, but I preached this scripture because I'll never forget. Shannon England was with us, and he's sitting down here on the front row. And I was preaching this scripture, and if you notice, man, the transition in verse 4. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. You have no hope. But then in verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy. And I'll never forget, I'll say it again, just for Shannon's sake. I said, and that's a big but. <laughs> and oh, Shannon, if you knew Shannon, if he started laughing, he could not control it. And that was one of the many times around me that he, he lost it, and he just could not stop giggling that high-pitched giggle. <laughs> and, uh, but you understand what I'm trying to say. It didn't come out right. But that is a big transition. The seriousness of sin, and then you get to, to uh, verses 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. That's amazing grace, isn't it? He might as well have said, by amazing grace you have been saved because this salvation takes something that's dead and gives it new life takes a, something that was lost and makes it found. takes something that was blind and makes it see, like his great song says. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, there's another but there, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5, 8, But God demonstrated His own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, we're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift. A gift given from a gracious God. Grace is truly amazing. Amen? Grace is amazing. Say it. Grace is amazing. It is because we are saved by grace. That God would save a wretch like me. We don't use that word very much. We're sometimes wretched. But I dare say none of us have called ourselves a wretch lately. But aren't, isn't it amazing that John Newton said that saved a wretch like me? We don't use that much, but it was a disgusting word. It kind of comes from just a sound of just coughing up 
phlegm. It's a disgusting word. But see, he understood that without God's amazing grace, he was a wretch. I'm sure he did, like all of us, many things he wished he wouldn't have done before Christ came into his life. He lived a life that he, many ways, for the rest of his life, he tried to right the wrongs that he had committed. You see, it's to save a wretch like me. This is amazing grace. John Newton never forgot the day when Jesus Christ changed his life, forgave him of his sins. He wrote this, this quote, that 10th of March is the day, he was, he was saved on March 10th. That 10th of March is a day much remembered by me, and I have, suff- and I have never suffered to pass unnoticed since the year 1748. The Lord came from on high, and delivered me out of deep waters. Dear Christian friend, are you here today and have you experienced salvation? Well, praise God for the amazing grace that he gave you. Grace is amazing because we are saved by grace. His great song of faith says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Grace is amazing because we're saved by grace, but second, equally amazing, we are secured by grace. You're saved by grace and you're secured by grace. Now that we have a relationship with God, we're alive in Christ Jesus, we are sealed with Christ positionally, spiritually, as if we were in heaven already, the Bible teaches. Grace is amazing because we're saved, yes, but we're secured. Makes grace equally amazing. The same grace that saves us keeps us. You see, you don't go in and out, in and out of grace. John 10, listen to this wonderful verse, John 10, verses 28 through 29. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. In the very next verse, and I and the Father are one, he says. Isn't that a beautiful picture? We're secure in the very hand of Jesus Christ and secure in the very hand of God the Father. You see, we're secure in our our salvation. Hmm. Many people believe like when they become saved, they're put on some kind of probation by God and that if you don't live up to a certain expectation, uh, okay, that's three strikes, you're out. <laughs> Aren't you glad that God's not like that? Dear friend, the same unmerited favor that you're saved by is the same unmerited favor that sustains you through this life as a Christian. I've had, you know, I'm not, I can't debate many people. I'm not a great debater at all. 
But I've had to talk to people about this, even in our churches, about this idea that they never feel secure in their faith. Dear friend, you can't do anything. You can't be good enough to, to find salvation. And most people agree with that. But I'm here to tell you, you can't really be good enough to keep your salvation either because it's the same grace that saves. It's the same grace of our loving God that secures your salvation. Do we fail? Yes. Have I failed? Yes. But the Bible says, if you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You see, dear friend, I think sin does still, in my opinion, sin still, still separates you as a Christian from your fellowship with God. But if you're truly right with God and salvation, nothing you can do, just like you can't do anything to make yourself saved, if you're secure in your salvation with holy God, you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, there's nothing you can do that is not liberty to go out and sin because dear friend if you're a, if you're a saved being of Jesus Christ you want to live more like Christ every day and when you do fail it should make a lot more difference as a saved person than it did as a lost person when you go back and do things that you know you shouldn't do it should really convict you in your heart and and you see this this is the the way Christ, uh, God, keeps us being more and more like His Son by knocking away things that shouldn't be there. I mentioned it a minute ago, John Newton, once he was saved, you know, he didn't right that very moment, you know, go to port and get off the ship. No, God had to deal with him in these things. That what he was doing was probably not a godly thing to do. And he, 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 God started working in him. And believe it or not, John Newton was one of the, the most outstanding spokesmen for liberating the slaves in England during that day. You see, he spoke about it, much about it. And being right there in the seat of where the government is, he was there talking all the time about the, the, the wrongs that needed to be made right. You see, God continued to Show him grace every step of the way. What's so amazing about grace? <laughs> it, we're saved by grace and we're sustained by grace. Romans 8 says this, For I am sure that neither life nor death, or angels or rulers or principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor heights nor depth, or nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Grace is amazing. We're saved by grace. We're sustained by grace. There's a third thing. We're strengthened by grace. We're strengthened by grace. Many times we look around our, our churches and sometimes it looks, and sometimes we as Christians feel like we're weaklings in the faith. And many times we're being truthful to ourselves, I would guess. But I'm here to tell you that's because we're not relying on the grace that only God gives. We are strengthened by His grace. God's grace shapes us and changes us and commands us at the times and chastises us even 
and gives us new personalities, new attitudes sometimes, new dispositions. You see, this grace changes us. And we're strengthened to live this life by the same grace that saves us and sustains us in salvation. You see, a lot of times we, we forget to rely on the grace of God in our everyday life. But by his work within us, we see that we can be strong even in our weakness. That God can work through our weaknesses better than he can our strengths many times. The Holy Spirit is there to change us and strengthen us. This is because of grace. We don't earn it, we, we, learn, we learn to live under God's grace. And that grace is sufficient for us. 2 Corinthians 12, verses seven, verse 7, Paul tells us, gives us a glimpse of his struggle in life and how the grace of God strengthens him. Paul writes, So he will keep me from becoming uh, conceited, for the surpassing greatness of revelation, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me and keep me from being conceited. A thorn in the flesh. Some, you know, I was at mom's house for a day or two and burned a lot of wood and did different things. And it never fails. I get, get splinters, you know, little splinters. <laughs> Got one right there I need to take care of later on. And, um, Sometimes we think of it, the thorn he's talking about as something little like that. No. Really, it can be translated as stake, a piercing stake in his side. It was something, something very painful, piercing. Hmm. Don't think of it as a little thorn that comes from a bush, but a penetrating stake in his flesh. It wasn't from God, it was from Satan, but it was allowed by God. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 8, and 9, he, sa he says this, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it would leave me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more in my weakness, in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content." Dear friend, do you have some kind of thorn? Something that God's dealing with you and maybe you've even asked many times to be removed? Let the grace of God strengthen you in that, in that area of your life. Hmm. John Newton wrote, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come, but it's grace that led me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. God's grace sustains us. It strengthens us. <laughs> it saves us. Sustains, or sustains us. Strengthens us. But here's one we don't think about too often. We're also servants by grace. Hmm. Something I don't think about too much until this last week or two. We are servants by grace. 
You see, this is a living grace with us every day. It's a dying grace, yes, but it's a serving grace. Ephesians 2.10, the very last verse we read, sometimes you you almost think it's out of place in in this great uh, series of verses. You were dead in your trespasses, but God, who is rich in mercy, and then he ends this, this verse 10 with this, this, this verse. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God prepared beforehand that we might work in them. You see, we're servants by grace also. Dear Christian friend, there's needs all around us. Have you noticed that? People who need to hear a word of the good news of the gospel of Christ. But there are also people that need something to eat, something to drink. They need somewhere to stay. There's needs all around us. And I'm here to remind you that ministering to people, which we're called to do, all of us, right? Ministering to people is very inconvenient. (laughs) Ministering to people is inconvenient. It might even cost you something. Definitely might cost you time, if nothing else. But it could cost you something else. Ministering to people takes the grace of God. Actively at work in our lives. Sometimes just to even see needs, but definitely to reach out and help meet needs. We are servants by grace. This great, these great verses here in um, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, has three great prepositions that we always need to remember. <laughs> I wasn't great in English. I just went, bought, saw one of my high school report cards. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, and English was never one of my strong suits. P.E. was m- music, you know. Um, that was my A's. The rest of them went downhill. <laughs> I was an average student. <laughs> but there's three prepositions in this thing. <laughs> we are saved by grace. Through faith. For Good works. You see, good works has nothing to do with saving you. You can't be good enough, like we said earlier. You can't do enough good works to tip the scale in your favor in God's holy God's eyes. No, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. You see, there's no good works that can save you. But dear friend, once we're saved, God wants to, His grace to be working through us and doing good works to those around us. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. It's not something that the the church of God should be, be just noted for their good works. You know, many years ago, the church was doing so much for the communities around them that lives were being changed. In the great, and early in the 
revivals in our country. Uh, nightclubs and bars were being shut down because there was nobody going to them because they were being saved and their lives were being changed. You see, that's why the church gained around that time tax-exempt status because they were doing so much in the community, meeting so many needs that it got the attention of everybody. Some of our forefathers were anti-Baptists. They were called that. Very discouraging, I mean, as an insult, really. But if you read back in the things, that they were the best workers and best ministers that there ever was. They were known. People would hire them, even though they, they didn't agree with them at all. They would hire them because they were the best workers. They knew that what they did, they did for Christ. Isn't that a scripture about that? And all we do, do it as if we're doing it unto the Lord. This is something that we've forgotten or failed to realize, maybe even failed to teach our children that we serve because of the grace of God. We serve because we've experienced amazing grace through salvation. <laughs> we're saved. We're secured. We're strengthened. And praise God, we serve through the grace of God also. Isn't that wonderful? Grace is amazing. If you go to London, England, I told you that John Newton was born in London. Well, he died there too. He, 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 he was a pastor many, many years. And if you go there, you'll see this engraving. Maybe he can put it up there. Once an infidel, it says. And uh, this engraving is on his tombstone. If not, I will read it to you. You can Google it. You can see a picture of it. This is what's engraved on John Newton's tombstone. Once an infidel, a libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he labored long to destroy near 16 years in Ole and the Bucks and 28 years here in this church. Hmm. Dear friend, have you experienced the amazing grace of God? Have you experienced salvation through grace? I hope you have. And dear friend, if you have, just know the truth that you're sustained, you're, you're, you're secure because of that same grace. Dear friend, you can be strengthened every day of your life because of grace. And dear church, let's serve through grace, the grace of God. You may look at the song we sang today because we sang a new arrangement of it, Amazing Grace, and there's the one verse missing. And you may say, okay, what about that last verse that we have in our hymnal? Well, that last verse was, was uh, added later, at many years, several years after John Newton's death. It first came out in the Sacred Harp Hymnal, I think of 1809 or something like that. And it says this, When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's grace than when we first begun. You see, for eternity, we're going to be singing 
Maybe not that very song or tune, but we're going to be praising God for his amazing grace that saved us, sustained us, secured us, strengthened us. And we're going to lay our crowns, like Jim said last week, at his feet and worship him for eternity because of this grace that is so amazing. Would you bow your heads? Lord, I pray for us today. I pray that you have spoken to our hearts. I pray that as we've looked fresh and anew, not just at a song, but it's a song that was written by a guy whose life was changed so dramatically because of your amazing grace. I pray that through his testimony of lyrics that we've been able to once again hear the truths of your scriptures in Ephesians 2 about this wonderful grace that saves us from from the darkness of sin to the death of sin. And Lord, may we, even today, learn more how to live in your grace and die in your grace one day, praising you every day of our life, we pray. Let us stand together. We're going to sing a song of invitation. It's an invitation for you, if you've never experienced this grace of God, to come down and just find forgiveness today for what Christ has done for us.